0: and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
2: Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Tore.
1: And I'm Danielle Moody.
2: And as we enter the waning days of the Banana Republic, things continue to be a little crazy, although I feel like the dial on the volume of the crazy is kind of turning down, even though Trump is trying to turn up. If you were in a Banana Republic and the leader was talking about Maybe I should pardon all my children, even though they haven't yet been accused of anything. <laughs> like, would you not assume? I bet your children committed some crimes. Because why are you dying to pardon? Oh, also, we are selling pardons for money in the White House. Yeah. So the business of being President Trump continues apace.
1: I just find it really just amazing that, you know, I... I, I- Every time that I see the headline about who Trump is going to pardon or who he has pardoned, I think about Hillary Clinton, right? I think about Hillary Clinton sitting for 11 hours testifying before Congress because they Republicans thought that they were going to catch her in some type of scheme Benghazi. to kill Americans, right? Oh then there was the email scheme. Oh, we're going to catch her. We're going to look through her emails and figure out that she really is the devil incarnate, right? And you know what Hillary Clinton said during both of those times? Have at it. Go ahead. You know why? Because I didn't do nothing fucking wrong. So go ahead, waste tax dollar money, and waste your fucking time, because I got time. Right? And she sat there. And so the fact that, let's say, like a Sean Hannity wants to offer up some advice to Donald Trump about pardoning his family, pardoning himself because of how vindictive Democrats are, I wish that Democrats were fucking vindictive. I wish that they were those type of people that were just like, you did this to us and we're going to double down. But the fact is, they're not. And if you genuinely hadn't committed a crime, you could just sit and wait. Let them throw up frivolous lawsuits because it wouldn't stick. So why would you have to... Waste a pardon? That's like sitting on the stand and saying, "Oh, I, I don't want to self-incriminate." Well, by selfing by saying I plead the fifth, you fucking did something, right?
2: <laughs> like you know, I, I, I remember the story of King Solomon and the two moms and the whose baby is this? And the two moms were both saying it's my baby, and finally King Solomon said, "Okay, let's cut the baby in half, and I'll give half of the baby to each of you." And one of the moms said, oh, no, 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 let her have it. And King Solomon, in all his wisdom, because he's the one who supposedly started uh, laws, said, well, then it must be your baby because you love the baby so much that you would rather it be alive and you not have it. Republicans are like the mom who's like, I'll take half the baby. I don't care if it's dead. (laughs) The baby being American government, uh, uh, American integrity, American morality and Repu- and democrats are like the mom who's like no no I would rather it be dead than 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 for me to have it and so like we're not vindictive we're not going to have the trump trials we're not going to string up stephen miller and steve bannon and all these people and yes the justice department has gone after manafort and cohen and others but that's not democratic uh attacks on these people the same way that benghazi was this ongoing political attack Now, Republicans are definitely not going to do it. And I wonder how so many of them are able to stand up without a spine. But we are seeing some really interesting cracks in the armor that finally people are showing a wee bit of courage to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. Uh, We talked about uh, Gabriel Sterling in Georgia who stood up and said, this is wrong. This must stop somebody's going to get killed the president mm-hmm. is is emboldening people to be violent around this issue rather than telling them not I mean it is it is it is the height of cognitive dissonance to me to notice that the president has all but conceded he has virtually conceded in terms of allowing the transition to go forward and yet he continues to tweet and talk about conspiracies that don't exist and try to name uh, things that ha- did not happen, electoral fraud that's not real. Um, he committed electoral fraud. He cheated mm-hmm. and still lost. Uh, you know it, it, and, and, and yet he has lost over 440 times in court. With his lawyers who have no evidence, and yet Rudy Giuliani continues to be like, we have mountains of evidence, we're going to get this done. I I mean, you would think at some point they'd be like, you know, let's just be quiet.
1: No, 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 no. Because it's not about the winning Torrey it stopped being about the winning you know days after the election when they realized that they had no path it is about the money fucking grab 170 million dollars has been raised over the past month by this Trump campaign by this Trump grifting motherfucking train and so if they were to stop right, if they were to concede in a real and distinguished way, well, then they can't send out 300 emails the way that they have over the past three weeks in order to get more money from their quote unquote loyalists, right? They would, they, what would they be fundraising around? And so what we're going to see is the transition that these folks are going to make from the election after December 14th or on Inauguration Day to Trump's then campaign launch for 2024 because he will then have the ability to continue to raise money because remember, this motherfucker is $400 million in debt that we know of. So he now has $170 million of it squared away. And before we say, but you can't use that money for that, bitch, What? You forget who we're talking about.
2: No, we. you're absolutely absolutely right. This allows him to grab more money. And I think there's something deeper as well, that it sets up this sense of grievance for 2024, that the reason why we're running, and it gives it purpose, like revenge. You know, it's almost like a movie. Like, we have to get some get back. We were robbed. So now, you know, and the Republican Party is full of, we were robbed, we were robbed in the Civil War, we were robbed in Roe v. Wade, we were robbed by black people ending segregation and getting our jobs and women getting out of the kitchen and finally be able to get our jobs that belong to us, because every victory for a black person or a brown person or a woman is a victory in a zero-sum game, as if white men are losing every time a man, a black man or a woman succeeds, right? Like, it, it's not real. We can have a multi-successful uh, society, but no, that's not the way a lot of people look at it. Um, but yes, we we are building uh, the platform for 2024 based on revenge and grievance. It was stolen from us. And it's kind of amazing... That Trump told himself and the world that they were going to steal it over and over and over for months. And he's the most powerful person in the world. And even still, he was not able to stop the steal, as he puts it. So now, if you're the most powerful person in the world and you see the theft coming... And you decry it over and over, and you're still not able to stop it. Perhaps you shouldn't be president because perhaps you're not powerful or smart enough to actually run the presidency. This show is.
1: From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked-about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold.
0: Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: part of the Pro Democracy Podcast Coalition.
1: The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections.
2: We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors and their political party instead of for us.
1: We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Rep Represent Us, a nonpartisan
2: grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs.
1: Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls.
2: Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come.
1: Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod.
2: Make It Plain covers politics and social justice. From organizers to legislators, it's the conversation you need to get woke.
1: Understand why you are operating in reality when we clearly live in Oompa Loompa land. They um, do. They, they are. The, they mean, are
2: definitely detached from reality, without a uh, doubt. The,
1: the 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 detachment. But you know, the I, I want to go back to the victim, the white male victimization that has plagued the Republican Party since the beginning of time. Because everything that you listed out is all the ways in which the world has done them wrong by not kissing their feet, their ring, and their ass right so here's the thing white men are motherfucking stunted okay they have been stunted as a as a community as a people as a body for a long time do you know why because they've never had to actually work for anything they have never actually really had to try because everyone else was barred from the game and Mm. so of course you would feel then that when when entry opens When other doors open and people can actually enter into the arena, of course you would feel like you are being robbed. When in fact, all you've been doing all this time is standing fucking still. Everybody else, black women have had to get multiple degrees, right? Everybody has had to get multiple degrees, undergraduate, postgraduate, all of these things. But we have told white men since the beginning of time, all you have to do is maybe get a college, maybe get a high school diploma. Maybe, right? But we fed them the lie that all they had to do ever in life was to show up and somebody was going to give them a job and give them a fucking raise for not doing a fucking thing. So God forbid... These people now be forced to compete with those that they barred from the game for the last three, four, five fucking decades, right? And they still fall behind because that's how fucking mediocre they are. So this is what we are seeing evolve with Trump and Trumpism and their grievance and how uh, he had promised to make America great. He had promised them that they could be as ignorant and as un- undereducated as possible, but America could still be their oyster. That's what Donald Trump has given to them. That's what they have always wanted, to go back to that place, right? Put the fences back up and keep everybody out so we can claim victory.
2: When I, when I went to, uh, I think it was my last high school reunion, and I remember... A friend of mine uh, asked him what he was doing, and he said he was between jobs. And I remember immediately feeling like that is such an incredibly white male thing to say, that you you, you lost your job, and you have full confidence that there will be another job. Uh, I mean, I have five jobs, and I'm still wondering, am I going to end <laughs> up homeless? You never know. You never know, it could all fall apart. What <laughs> I'm still I'm still, still <laughs> really on I'm still on shaky ground. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, i it's it, I never have that certainty of like, oh, it's gonna be all right, don't worry. And he's like, yeah, you know, something else will come along. I'm like, how can you be certain oh you're a white man? I mean, like, look, I, I'm not, I, I, I obviously you're you're right, and it's not that they don't work hard. But it's that the game has been rigged in their favor. and it's still, and it's much like, um, much like old baseball, right? When baseball was segregated, right? And it was all white men. Well yeah, Babe Ruth probably worked hard on his game and his hitting. He was probably a great natural athlete, but he was not competing against the best athletes. In the world, the best athletes were in the world were in the Negro League. So, of course, he was able to shine because the game was rigged. So he would be like, what are you talking about? I'm working hard. I'm not barring them from playing. I'm not racist. No, but you are benefiting from white supremacy and white privilege in that the playing field is narrowed to just white men. And you don't have to deal with the extraordinary black men. You don't have to deal with a black woman coming in with new ideas, new energy, new desire to be part of the team. You don't have to compete with people who have not traditionally been at the table. And that is of tremendous value to them. Um, But the sense of grievance and victimhood is just unbelievable. Um, I don't know if we, you know,
1: the thing thing is, though, because I think that that is actually really important to understand every time that, political pundits and folks want to tell us that we need to reach across the aisle. We need to offer an olive branch. We need to really want to understand the Trump voter. We really need to understand their grievances and all these things. And so my whole thing is this, like, I'm not reaching across the aisle, nor do I, you know, tell other people to reach across the aisle to people that are slapping your hand away that people who don't, don't even want to acknowledge your presence. But also the fact is how hard do you think that people actually want work when a game is rigged that's my thing too is what that's why I say like they're not they haven't ever had to work hard right because if you knew Tore that you were going to get paid the same amount of money you were never going to lose your home with your five jobs would you show up for those five jobs in the same maybe you would maybe it's part of your passion but would you put in the same amount of effort knowing that you could put in 100% or you could put in 50%, but you still don't get the same amount of money. That's how I feel that white men have shown up over the past decades while we have seen their industries that they have dominated begin to diversify and or close down as it pertains to lower-wage work and factories and coal mines and all of these things as they've disappeared. There has never been this, like, well, you know what, folks, you need to do maybe get a certification, maybe get a different degree, maybe do this, that or the other thing. We don't tell white people to do that. That's it's, what is always bothersome to me.
2: It's hard for me to even answer that question uh, that you posed because my life is very much electrified by the sense of people fought and died for you to have these opportunities For you to be able to go to private school, for you to be able to work in media, for you to be able to live in the suburbs and not have to march to deal with segregation, to deal with slavery, to deal with what have you. The things that my parents' generation deal with, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, you know, so you better do something meaningful with the opportunities Mm -hmm. that you've been given to go to college, to, you know— I mean, you know, to be in media. So, you know, I don't think about slavery every day, but it is unquestionably a baseline in terms of, you know, you better show up hardcore for the opportunities that you're given because people in very recent memory in your family had few to no opportunities but you know i mean we are our ancestors wildest dreams we are in many cases our parents wildest dreams our grandparents wildest dreams so you know i i, I can't even imagine what life would be like if you took that away from me Mm uh you know Mm -hmm. how how i would be i I, I, the sense of purpose that i have because of black history i wouldn't have i don't i can't even imagine what my life would be like um let me you know when you talk about uh because i watched hillbilly elegy this week and i'm sorry that i did Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i thought maybe no mm -mm. um you know 2016 led to this multimedia uh, colonoscopy on oh, what are the Trump voters all about, right? And we mm-hmm. had to get this through documentaries, through articles, through essays, through memoirs, through movies. And, you know, this... Oh, this forgotten part of America that we did not understand. And we must go into the hinterlands and interview these people and figure out who they are. There are poor white people in America and they matter. Okay. You know, and I'm super tired of that. Like, you know, there was definitely a very short period when I was like, okay, media, I understand that you just got run over by a large group of people who you didn't see coming, and you were like, let's go figure out who those people are. <laughs> okay. But, like, we done did that. I do not need uh-huh. another expose on the Proud Boys or the Klan or Appalachia or... The
1: Boogaloo Boys. The- you know, all, the- all them boys. Oh, I don't my. need to know nothing about them boys. <laughs> I will not give a fuck.
2: But, you know, the... Core voters, the central voters in this election, were black voters. They were the ones who made the difference in Philadelphia, Detroit, uh, Chicago—not Chicago—in um, the bl- blue wall.
1: Oh yeah, you said mm-hmm. D- D-
2: Detroit, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Milwaukee. I'm, Atlanta. I, I'm, I'm, you know, so where is the deep dive into who are these people? What are yep. they all about? What can what can the Democratic Party do for them? And just who are they? These people who who voted with a passion, you know, that we had not seen before, you know, made sure to mail in their vote, wait in hours long, hours long lines. Who are they? Let's do a deep dive on them. Let's do some documentaries on them because I promise you the notion that been there, done that, covered them already. No. no. And,
1: I, and I would ask and I would say to the media that would respond in that way, when? Roll the tape. Show me. Show me where you've covered these people. Show me where you have ever, even in just a segment in an hour show that you want to give to the black mother that stood in line for 11 hours with her baby in the rain in Atlanta, right? In order to cast her ballot because it was this important. Show me the people who can remember that their grandparents and great grandparents were sharecroppers and slaves and all of these things. And this is why they were impassioned to overturn these quote unquote red states that their families have blood in the soil of. We don't care right? Because until our media stops being run by the same people that run this country and the same people that run everything, old white men, we're never going to do a deep dive. We're never going to unpack it. And frankly, that is the problem, the deep and consistent problem of the Democratic Party, because they should be the ones. Because Stacey Abrams shouldn't have had to carry Georgia on her back with little to no investment and be doing it for the past like five years while we just, you know, shook our heads and said, ah, it's a red state and it's always going to be read you
2: know i i i when we talk about the way that white men versus black people show up in these situations there's a key part in barack obama's book which i'm reading now and let's set for each other and for our listeners like next week we're going to talk about barack obama's book obviously 768 pages i don't expect you to finish it but like read some of it so that we here and on twitter can like talk about it cuz it's a really interesting dive into his his political philosophy from the beginning how being a community organizer shapes him as a political
0: Hey, I'm Aloke, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Um, You know, it's so much. To, but when the I, I'm to the part where he's, you know, spoiler alert, um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the first presidential campaign and John and the the the, the financial crisis has struck and, uh, you know, John McCain suspended his campaign and said, let's have a group meeting at the White House with President Bush. And Obama's like, this meeting is some bullshit, but all right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's have, we can't say no. So let's be part of this meeting. And, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell, I talk to about politics a lot and he's like, speeches are bullshit. What politics is really what happens in private rooms that you and I will never see. And when Obama is taking us in this memoir into these private rooms, I'm like, this is really valuable color and further explaining the way things go down. So Obama has at this point, he's at this meeting, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, obviously George W. Bush are there, Hank Paulson, and Harry Reid and 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 Nancy Pelosi have already sort of let Obama and the rest of the Democrats know he's going to be our point person. Obama will be our point person, right? So he, so the rest of the Democratic Party kind of has to get in line with him. And George Bush notices, like, mm, interesting, deaf maneuver, uh, good move, Nancy. Okay, here we go. So Obama, you're speaking for the Dems. You speak first. So Obama speaks about what he thinks they should do moving forward and gives kind of his idea of a plan, even though he's like, I don't want to give too much of an idea because there's already a delicate negotiation and us even being here is making that harder. So I'm respecting the movement that's already happened, but I do have some ideas. So here's my thoughts. So then Bush turns to McCain and he says, Okay, well he went first, so it's only fair that you go. And McCain, his jaw tightens and he kind of shuffles in his chair, and he has a thought and then he doesn't decides not to say it. And then he says, I think I'll wait my turn. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? You wanna be the president
1: of the United States? You know, i think like, i'll I think wait, I'll my, wait turn. my turn and that's you amazing know, obama
2: talks about it like you know there's certain moments where you know you see the sort of possibilities of the universe like limit in a moment and he's basically mm. like that's where i saw like oh this motherfucker's not gonna win you know and nope. like you know i mean and, and this is the core of that campaign that that when the gigantic crisis began and they basically had to start acting presidential before the campaign ended um Obama was ready to step up and be a serious part of that conversation and McCain was not and he was a good man but he was not ready to ascend to the highest level um and perhaps if you know perhaps if the issue had been war perhaps if it had been that we had been attacked militarily Oh, uh, McCain would have been much better positioned than Obama, maybe, because that was his issue and his background. But when it was something economic, something intellectual in that way, Obama ran over him on that playing field.
1: I think I love that story. Um, and, I, I, you know, what, what it reminds me of is that like you – Obama was ready for his moment. Yeah. He didn't know when his moment was going to arise, right? And you know that 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 meme and the joke that you know we we hear and see, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah, yeah. That was that is that is Barack Obama, and that's like the that's like the underlying message there. Like I'm gonna wait my turn. Then you shouldn't be running for president of the United States if you have nothing to say. Yeah, that's. <laughs> outrageous to me so <laughs> that so is honestly outrageous. so
2: you have it um i'm sure a lot of the audience has it let's read it for next week and see how far you get and we can discuss what you get uh you know wherever you get to um and we can do a further discussion on twitter with folks um at whatever place they are in the book you know no spoilers he does become president
1: oh he does damn it Torrey! then why do i have to read it he wins
2: it's very exciting Twice. okay <laughs> um so yeah so let's do that as a show and as a community uh next week on the twitter um, i
1: like that toray consistently gives me homework does anybody else notice this i mean well, i well, notice it well the it's last like, time oh, i gave
2: you homework you didn't do it you still have not i did it. too you still haven't watched tiger king
1: Oh, no. But I did watch Black AF. No, we watch, watch I don't need King. to watch white people kill each other. I yes, do that just yes, by watching a, the that's news. that's fun.
2: That's fun. But you watched Black AF, finally. Oh,
1: I my. did, and that was funny. It's
2: hilarious. All right. I love you. Um, thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Tore.
1: <laughs> and I'm Danielle Moody.
2: And I feel pretty confident that we'll be back next week.
1: Oh, you're not getting rid of us.
2: Well, I mean... We're still going to have a country.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some semblance or form. Of course. Pray Ah, about it. Pray about it.